Would you pray with me, please? Loving God, may your spirit flow through this place and through our hearts, opening us in new and surprising ways this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So if you've been watching closely the last few weeks, months even, you may have noticed that I'm, I'm, limp, I'm limping a little bit, especially when I go down steps. Um, it seems that I have strained the tendon around my left ankle, and uh, I did it, you'll love this, playing ping pong. You know, everybody's so focused these days on football and the dangers of that, but I think ping pong needs a little more attention, if you ask me. So my, my gimpy angle uh, was on my mind as I began working on the sermon for this week because it's the second part of a four-part Lenten series on the faces of Jesus, right? And Clover got us going last week on Jesus the teacher, and this week is Jesus the healer. So let's dig in. The first thing that I think we notice when we watch Jesus in the world is that he's almost always on his way somewhere else when moved by compassion is often what the gospels say, that he stops to heal uh, the blind or the lame, uh, the people with leprosy, uh, the demon-possessed. So I don't think that Jesus saw himself necessarily as primarily in the world as a healer. I think healing just seems more about him being, embodying who he was and his message of love and compassion in the world. It was part of walking the talk for Jesus. But if we look more closely at his healing stories, I think you can also see that Jesus is using these healing moments for another purpose. But to see it, though, you have to to know that in Jesus' day there was something called purity laws. And purity laws would classify certain things as being impure and that contact with these things would make a person unclean. So certain animals like pigs, so eating pork, um, contact with skin diseases or or a dead body. Um, Blood had a lot of purity laws around it, dealing with blood. So what's interesting is to think about how many of Jesus' healing uh, stories involved breaking or coming darn close to breaking these laws. So think of all the times that Jesus touched lepers, for example, or the woman who had been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years who touched his garment. Or how about the wild man from Gerasene who lived among the tombs with the dead bodies, right? Strike one was possessed by a legion of unclean spirits, strike two, and then Jesus sends those spirits into a herd of pigs, strike three. His disciples must have thought, really, Jesus, can't we just find a nice suburban family to heal once in a while, you know, (laughs) right? An aging dad with a ping pong injury, perhaps, you know. (laughs) So these purity laws also show up in one of Jesus's most famous parables, It's the story of the Good Samaritan that we just read. When a Jewish man is left uh, on the side of the road having been beaten, and he is, quote, half dead on the side of the road, two religious leaders pass by, right? The Levite and the priest, and what do they do? They walk by on the other side of the road. 
Now, we think this is about their lack of compassion, which perhaps it is, but it's not just that. Because Jesus' listeners would have immediately understood that the priest and the Levite were only doing what the purity laws said they should do. Because if the half-dead man turned out to be all the way dead, then trying to help him would have made them ritually unclean. So, the point I'm getting at is that Jesus seems to be healing at two different levels. So at the one level, there's the miraculous healings that he performs as an act of compassion. But then, by the choice of who he is healing, by who he's choosing to heal, I think he's also challenging these purity laws and showing how they they fracture and damage the community. Now, of course, we don't have formal purity laws anymore, thank goodness. But I do think there are still plenty of unwritten purity laws in our culture. They almost invisibly convey messages like being white is more pure than being black or brown, or that being straight is more pure than being queer. Or that the wealthy are a little more pure than the poor. Or at a church like Montview, that the political left is a little more pure than the political right. Now, I'm not talking here about the rightness or the wrongness of specific issues, okay? Something deeper. Something about our very human temptation to see those that are not like us as inherently a little less valuable, a little less human. And of course, all of that is usually in order to stave off our own deep-seated fears that, well, that we might be the ones who are unclean or not quite good enough. And Jesus the healer, I think, is saying that is the real disease. which brings me back to my ping-pong injury. In all seriousness, it has been eye-opening to, place, to, be, to take my place among the limping. As someone who's been able to take my mobility for granted most of my life, being injured now for about two months has humbled me. And out of that humility, I'm finding that I have a little more patience more compassion, even a sense of of solidarity with my fellow limpers. When I see someone now who's having a hard time getting around, I'm more likely to take notice. I'm more likely to stop instead of brushing past them, see if I can help. I see now that I had developed a kind of purity law, a sense of being a little more pure than those who were the limpers of the world until I became one of them. And that's really the key. In order to heal the world at the level that Jesus is healing, we have to do what the Samaritan could and the priest and the Levite couldn't do. We have to stop working so hard to try to be better than humanity and cross the road and join 
humanity. And think about it for a moment. Think about the bond that must have formed between that Samaritan and that beaten man. I mean, even if they never saw each other again, they were forever changed, enriched by that experience. They will never forget it. And then meanwhile, you've got the priest and the Levite. Well, they went on their way clean and pure and the lesser for it. They are, for me, now the saddest part of that story. Because they are trapped by a lie that tells them that they are the winners. But in the end, they lose out on so much. And isn't that true for us too? We work so hard to appear to the world like we've got it all together. And the truth is that we all have a limp. We all have a limp. Now, some of us hide our limps better than others, but they're still there. And you know, this is where where Alcoholics Anonymous gets it so right. What does someone do when when they share at a meeting? What's the first thing they say? Hi, my name is Ian, and I'm an alcoholic, right? It's so powerful. Because it's honest, it's real, it's the truth, and the truth sets us free. People who have been in AA for a long time, they they shine with this, this, this beautiful groundedness because they know they have a limp. And so they're happily happy to take their place among humanity. They're not trying to be better than everyone else. And if I can get theological on you for just a moment, isn't this what Jesus does on the cross? The purest of the pure, the blameless one, became unclean, took his place between two criminals, became a criminal himself in the eyes of the world. Why? because he wanted to cross the road and to be with us in our breathtaking, limping humanity. And I actually wonder if this this is getting at the real meaning of that big, scary theological word, redemption. That it's not about us striving so hard to become holy and pure. It's that the pure and holy became us, joined us as we are, and said, you are my beloved. You're beautiful as you are, precious in all of your limping. So I hope that this week, Whatever you think your limp is, or your many limps, that you might try to not hide them, not see them as something to hide or be ashamed of, 
but something to be tender with and accepting of. Because they are a part of you. They, they are part of making you who you are, of being human. And it's those limps that connect us all together, human to human. So can we try to walk this world more often saying, hi, I'm Ian, and I walk with a limp. I have moments that I am not proud of. I have parts of me that are not healed yet, and they may never be. And God loves me anyway. If we could do that, then even if our limp remained, would we not, in a sense, be healed? And if we could give that gift to each other, would we not, in a sense, heal the world?